Well, I was um, blessed by last uh, Sunday's service, and <clears throat> this message here is, is you know, the, what I had planned for last Sunday, and uh, uh, last Sunday was a different kind of service. It's captured uh, still on Facebook, and so if you weren't here, I encourage you to go there. It's very encouraging. It turned into be more of a prayer time and uh, a time of encouraging one another and praying for the one, one another. Uh, the Lord said, I want my, my house to be a house of prayer. So we want to have plenty of prayer every time we gather, right? And sometimes just even focused on prayer more than others. So I feel like we're very much in the heart of Christ uh, when something like that happens. And someone told me, Stephen, that was the best message I ever heard you preach. <clears throat> so I was like, you know, you, you're right. I'm with you on that, you know. So, uh, uh, and, and that's, that's okay, because we just want uh, the will of the Lord and, and the touch of the Holy Spirit. So, um, this, before the Sunday before that, just to do a quick review, I believe these things do tie together. Uh, the title of that message a couple Sundays ago was, Why Sunday Morning? You know, why uh, come together in, in person? You know, we have online services now and thank god for our tech team and uh, and, and our online services a quality of online service i think people watch kind of wonder well how big is that church because you know what they put online is 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 quality it's good stuff and uh and i praise god for that because that's reaching to new people and it's ministering to people of our body right now and yet i was bringing in some biblical reasons why having a larger gathering, corporate gatherings often what we call that. And I had three Ps for that teaching that day. One is the presence of God. Two is the protective covering of God. And three is the people of God. And that all of those are expressed when we come together in corporate wor- worship, uh, even this morning uh, with the worship time, the presence of God. There's a uniqueness about worshiping by yourself at home and worshiping in a small group and then worshiping with the larger group. And so there is a uniqueness, and we see it in Scripture, all of the Psalms was primarily written for the priest. Excuse me. For the priest to use in their worship times. And also then, what is a protective covering? Stephen, what is that? That's a term I'm not really familiar with. Well, covering is just a, a term to describe the protection, blessing, and guidance that comes from God through the spiritual under-shepherds in your life. And being in persons means you're, you're around the elders, the, the leadership, the other, uh, those who are uh, ministering and serving in different ministries. You're around them in person, and you get to receive from that under-shepherds ministry of a local church. If you're by yourself all the time, online or just doing your own devotionals and things, you're not actually building connection and relationship with the leaders who carry that shepherding ministry, and that's what the local church provides. It's unique than other type of ministries because the local church is responsible to disciple and cover uh, those three things, protection, blessing, and guidance to the sheep. The third one is the people of God, that even though uh, we may not have... Uh, small groups that go on during this time develop a lot of close relationships. Still, you're around people. You're making connections from who you were praying with from the small group or from some other way. And you're making connections with relationship with people. And those are three good biblical reasons to participate, not be a spectator, but participate in a corporate service. So, today's message, I don't try to answer this question directly, but I'm, I'm realizing it's, it's, it's actually doing this in an indirect way because I'll have a part two to this as well, Lord willing. And that, that is, you know, why serve in a local church? Why serve in your gifts and your ministries in a local church? Why what we call the dream team is that group of volunteers, why have that? Why that's it's important? And so... I feel like this message is going to indirectly uh, and next week indirectly answer that, not just today. And um, uh, the title slide for 
uh, today is a spirit of excellence. Spirit of excellence. And I kind of developed and saw this imagery. I like this because it's not only for you personally, but it's for the teams that you're a part of. Here you're part of a, a, a certain ministry team and you're working together and it's not always easy. And, and yet when you get to a certain height and you grow and you develop, then you get to see a better view. Delisa and I, we were out hiking at Red River Gorge yesterday, and that's one of my goals when I go out there is, you know, let's try to get to a, a nice view uh, up. And when you start doing those steps and those rocks and those trails, and go, you can feel it, okay, we're, we're tired, we're worn out, going up higher and higher. But that's chance to see a better view the higher you go. And I want to say that God has a way of developing a spirit, a spirit of excellence for you Personally, for you, wherever you are, at home, neighborhood, at work, or uh, here at church as well, in ministry teams here at church. Today's message is going to hit on, and and next week will too, on motivations for a spirit of excellence. And I think our vision statement is a good summary, and I'll try to refer back to it a couple of times today. Abandoned to God and compassionate toward people. Those are good motivations to serve uh, in a dream team. Stephen, what, what is a dream team? Well, a dream team is our team of volunteers that serve not just Sunday morning, but all different times during the week. And if you hadn't thought about this, um, volunteer teams are absolutely critical and necessary for every church no matter what size the church is if you think oh that bigger church over there they uh you know have so much staff and money they just pay their no they they have to have volunteer teams or they cannot have their sunday morning service or their children's ministry or their youth ministry during the week whatever they're doing every single the church is the most volunteer rich totally dependent upon volunteers than any other, perhaps, organization in the world. We even uh, exist financially and are sustained by voluntary gifts that you give to the Lord. We wouldn't have the finances to, to pay one staff person, to pay any utility bill. It's all volunteer done. And then, as today we'll look at, toward the Lord. And so, you need to realize that actually this is not something, you know, Living Waters is, is trying to teach and train his people to not be spectators, but be involved to participate and use their gifts. That is in every single church, no matter how large or small, is a necessity. Now, this term dream team, where does it come from? Where, where does it kind of, what does it refer to? And it refers to that God has designed and created each, each of us in a unique way. He has a plan for our life. He desires for us to use these gifts for Him. And in God's sight, He has a dream for us. And He wants us to discover that dream. He wants to discover that plan for our life. And that that is our dream. His dream becomes our dream as I want to fulfill this dream in my life. <clears throat> Today in... Um, Growth Track Session 2, they will go through uh, those that are uh, praying about joining our church. They'll go through some gift surveys and personality surveys to help understand more kind of what, what drives you, what uh, is, is your passion, what ways you, gifts that you have. Because that helps be part of that direction of, yes, Lord, I want to serve you in this way. I want to minister in this way, and you find those gifts and you step into them, and, that, and your dream comes true. And it's, of course, how it applies here in local church and outreach ministry, but also even during the week. So, Growth Track Session 2 and <clears throat> is a really great session. We as a leadership team met a few weeks ago, staff, uh, elders, board, spouses. It was a, a, a good large meeting was in going over vision for Living Waters. And, and one of the feedback we got from our leaders was more people need to do that grow track session too. Even if, uh, you know, you've been a believer for 30, 40 years, but perhaps this is a, a way to kind of relook at your gifts and, 
and discover them in a new way and then kind of get freshened and uh, stepping out to use your gifts for God. And so <clears throat> Larry Southard is our, the teacher who, uh, our uh, leader who teaches that. Larry, could you just raise your hand and people can see you. So if you uh, want to take that Grow Track session too, they're full today, but he'll do a special session for you. All right? And he'll, so let's just go ahead and contact him in the next week or two. He'll get it scheduled uh, for it to have with you. So let's look at that together. The other thing that the leadership said, uh, suggested, is that we need to have some kind of ministry uh, options fair festival and uh, where we uh, have an option to really investigate and pray over different things that are happening in the church. So with holiday season coming, it might be hard to do before that, but we're going to try to get this in sooner than later just to offer and say, hey, you know, refresh your memory or uh, maybe for the first time look at some of the ministry options to serve God. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 6 is our first text that we're going to look at today from the Word. And there is a, this phrase, excellent spirit or spirit of excellence, comes out of a description of him. And a little bit about Daniel, before we read this. He was a young man when he was captured by, by the Babylonians, uh, Babylonians when they overtook and really destroyed Jerusalem and defeated Israel and they, they took exiles. They just defeated the people and took some of the best back to their capital, back to their nation to serve as slaves and servants. And They had young men that they wanted to uh, use in leadership and train and Daniel and his buddies were were a part of that. And so at a young age, and we'll hopefully go into the more detail of this uh, next week, at a young age, Daniel was exposed to where the kings were. And he was in training to be, <clears throat> be servants of the king. And they're just, he's, in, in Daniel chapter 6, he's, he's, very, he's getting older, very older, and there's been a regime change. Another nation overtook and, and conquered uh, that particular uh, king. And there was a new king, and a new leader. And Daniel had already been in those top royal officials uh, already in the kingdom. And this is what happened now under King Darius. And this is Daniel chapter 6 starting at verse 1. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. So a satrap is a high-level official. There's only 120 in the whole land. And then there was above them three governors who were uh, overseeing them. And then there would be the king. And so... Uh, Daniel was already at the highest level that you can get. But look what God did even in this situation. In a secular setting, in a foreign land, this wasn't a, a godly government at all. This wasn't a, um, um, you know, there wasn't any Jews in leadership. He would have been one of the few uh, Hebrews in leadership. And let's read verse 3. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps. Because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Let's pray. Father, your hand was on Daniel. And so we ask, O oh God, that your hand will be upon us, both individually and as a family of believers. That you would dis distinguish us in a unique way and that we would live with an excellent spirit. May your word transform our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we really have a goal of, of embracing this concept of an excellent spirit. We want to have this as part of training in the individual little dream team uh, uh, ministries. And so we came up with three Simple statements, hopefully they're easy to remember. One that you could, if I pop quiz you next week, you're going to remember them, okay? 
And so these are uh, just statements that help uh, us kind of define or remind us our goal in pursuing excellence. Our goal, what does it look like as we pursue it? And number one would be we do our best with what we have. Number two would be we continually seek to improve. Number three, we begin with preparation and end with discipleship. Now, that number three is one I want to dig deeper, hopefully, Lord willing, next week. I want to hit on one and two and go into some more things about the spirit of excellence. So let's just look at this first one. We do the best with what we have. I like the phrase that I hear those in the younger generation say quite often, uh, and even will put this on a, a text as a little, a little uh, emoji, a hundred, a hundred percent. means I'm, I'm all in, I'm, I'm committed a hundred percent. I'm going to give my best. That's a great little phrase, that's a great little reminder that that's what we do when we serve in Dream Team is we give a hundred percent. And we put this phrase in there, we want to do our best with what we have so that we don't get into a, a mindset of, oh, we're going to be the best church in Shelby County. We're going to be the best uh, uh, worship team in Kentucky. We're going to be the best. And you start comparing yourself, asking God to make you the best, and that comparison can lead to a couple things. It can lead to pride where you're wanting to be the best above others and there's some pride in that, or you want uh, to be the best and, and it, you don't become the best, and so then it can lead to discouragement. So we like the phrase, we do our best with what we have. We're not going to compare ourselves to some church or ministry down the road. See, God has disciples who aren't saved yet, He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And he sends us to go and make disciples. And so he has, in his divine will, certain disciples to be a part of our family. For us to disciple, to grow them in the word and have that encouraging relationship with them. And the church down the road, they have a portion of the field as well. It's for them. And God, the other church has a portion and he is working them. So... Let's release all that and say God has a, um, a will for us and a portion for us. <clears throat> You've heard me mention um, F3. F3 is a uh, free workout um, group. Three, over 3,000 of them around the country for men. Uh, most all of them meet at 5.30 in the morning outside somewhere. Tuesday, Thursday is where I go in Collins. And we have this phrase that we use, it's you versus you. So no, so no matter what age you are, what kind of shape you come, you just come, and you just do the best you can with what you have. All right? And so when they say, hey, let's do a bunch of, uh, that leader that morning who's a volunteer leader says, hey, we're going to do a bunch of push-ups. And, you know, they're all doing push-ups, and you have to do it for so long or so many. And, and so, hey, I'll do a little demonstration, Okay. So how, do you, how does this really work? You know, so here you are doing push-ups. <clears throat> I'm uh, in my late 50s, you know, so I'm going to just do the best I can uh, with what I've got, right? And so I'm looking around, I'm getting tired, and I'm starting to max out. Oh, I'm starting to max out, and the other guy's still going. What are my options? Go to your knees as an option, right, instead of quitting. Yeah, I've tapped out, I've, I've maxed out my muscles, but I can do some more on my knees, now, this is humiliating at first, right? This is embarrassing. This is sissy stuff. But hey, I'm just going to... It's you versus you. That's where I'm at. I'm going to keep working and, and going at it at where I'm at. And I'm not going to worry about these other guys doing more than me. <clears throat> Normally, you think of, of age as being the uh, you know, main factor here, and it, it does. It contributes. I'm out of breath. Give me a minute. Water break time. Everybody get your water bottles. Hydrate. <clears throat> so uh, I was in LaGrange at their F3. They start there at the courthouse. 
61-year-old guy, lead, spanked us all. Just totally dead tired, 61-year-old. So it's not about age, actually. So I say, you versus you, we are just going to do our best with what we have. God sees that as, you know, an honest place of where we are. And it's good. It's, that's, that's blessed. That's blessed by God. The second one we're talking about, we continually seek to improve others. There's this phrase out of uh, Zechariah that says, uh, do not despise small beginnings. And they're working on rebuilding Jerusalem. And he said, you know, it's okay if we're going to start small here. I use that phrase a lot to encourage me and things that I'm doing. That I don't need a big group. I don't have it all figured out and fancy. At first, just start small. And when we continually seek to improve, it's okay to start small. It's okay to just be beginners at it. People don't mind when you start small or young or you know it's your, your first time out. But you're going to improve a little at a time over and over again. So over time, over a number of months, you notice, hey, we've really improved. We started small, but now we're learning, we're growing, we're improving. And we're, we're learners, we're students, we're disciples, we're always learning. And so that's, that's, that's a blessed, that's blessed. And you may never get to be as, you know, fancy and dancy as them with whatever fancy technology, whatever they have, but people don't expect that. People do expect, though, that we give our best of what we have and we continually seek to improve. Because, hey, we might start kind of average and mediocre in something, and that's okay, because we're going to work at it and we're going to improve. And people are okay with that if there's improvement. But after six months, there isn't improvement, and it's still at this, this uh, beginning mediocre level. People notice that. We all notice that. And that, that doesn't hit us right because it goes back to, well, are they really giving their best in, while they serve? So, it's not about being better than somebody else, but we do want to be in improvement mode. One thing that we're going to do, uh, dream team, or little teams, that we're going to re-encourage and re-establish some huddle time. Teams get together and huddle, they prepare, they encourage, uh, they uh, give some training or instruction. And that will be a time to help uh, look at how can we improve, how can we improve. Now I want to give you a little secret about worship leaders and preachers. And I encourage feedback uh, for us as spiritual leaders. But here's a little secret. When you give encouragement to someone, and you want to apply this at work too, is give encouragement and then give a suggestion, right? If you just come at a person and all you do is just give, you know, this needs to be changed, that needs to be changed, and that's all you do, then it, it's, it's hard to process, it's hard to take that in. But if you give encouragement, I see this thing is going well, and this is how you're doing well there. This is something I want to encourage you to, to look at, you know, changing, or uh, here's a suggestion. With preachers and worship leaders, we pour out our hearts when we minister. Wait 24 hours before you do that. Let us go home and sleep on it, kind of recover from pouring ourselves out, and then give us, uh, you know, that, again, encouragement and suggestion both. And because we just gave it our best. It might not have been very good. We didn't even like it ourselves. Well, man, I wish I had done this differently. I went... You know, you reevaluate yourself. And you say, I wish. And so let us sleep on that. Let us, you know, we've given this as an offering to God. Let us sleep on Give us 24 hours. Then feel free uh, to give uh, encouragement and suggestions. So the third one is excellence begins with preparation and ends with discipleship. And... Um, you know, preparation is just an absolute necessary to, to do anything well. We're going to touch base on that, but then I'm going to explain what you mean this. It, how does it include discipleship at all? What, what, what is that, Stephen? But that's really the call of the local church is 
discipleship. And so even in this, when we serve, discipleship has got to be a part of it, or we leave our core uh, mandate from the Scriptures. I want to hit on a couple of um, aspects of four qualities, four dimensions, or four elements of a spirit of excellence. And these, um, you know, we could spend a lot of time on, and I'm tempted to, and I'm going to try to refrain a little bit. Uh, And I've, uh, with the help of Philip's, got these in a diagram. Um, And so there's these qualities that we have to address. One is the spiritual, because we are a body of believers who trust and love God. Secondly is the uh, we have an attitude that we have to address, an action, and then final appearance of how is it end up seen by others. So these are the uh, four areas that we're going to be training in and talking about a spirit of excellence. The spirituality for us is at the bottom of the quadrilateral because it's the foundation. It's where you start. It's the foundation, right? And so that is how God purifies our motives it's through the spiritual dimension of our giving of ourselves and he purifies our hearts and then so our attitudes and actions and even appearance are that much more glorifying to god so um, what are some words just to um, summarize the importance of each one and so the next diagram on chart two says uh, submitted spiritually an honorable attitude consistent action, and quality appearance. Lord willing, next week I'm going to deal with the three A's, attitude, action, appearance, and and get into what an honorable attitude, consistent action, quality appearance uh, for the Lord and in church ministry looks like. And again, you're going to be able to apply these principles as the Holy Spirit is your teacher to things happening in your work, in your family, in your neighborhood. So let's dig in deeper uh, with the submitted spiritually. There's three ways that I want to talk about the spirituality of, of this. Uh, that we're submitted to God, submitted in prayer, and submitted in humility. So this is what we're going to tackle this morning and ask the Lord uh, to make it known to our hearts. One thing that I'll be referring to both today and tomorrow is a perfectionism spirit or performance spirit. And when you talk about spirituality, prayer, humility, these help us take this out of a performance spirit and into a spirit that is excellent and honoring to God. So when something is, number one, submitted to God, let's go to Proverbs 16. When something is submitted to God... Proverbs 16, verse 2 says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. So, as we work, as we do, as we develop in all this, um, God is, is able to see what's happening. And He even sees uh, the why, why we do things. The motivations, those deeper levels of what we're doing. And even in good things like ministry or just practical everyday things in ministry or at work, God sees the deeper level of things. And that's what I'm praying that today's message will purify those motives. Here's one way to start. Verse 3. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Some of your versions say, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will succeed. This is a verse, verse 3 of Proverbs 16, that I've been familiar with for many, many years. My mom is a word woman. And she knows Scripture and repeatedly studies Scriptures and, and will write it down, rewrite it, memorize them. And I was a, like, 11, 12-year-old before I could actually officially go to the Presbyterian youth group uh, youth group. I was too young. But I had two older sisters that was in the youth group, and my parents were, they were leaders in the youth group. And so I just had to tag along. So I got to hang out with some older 
uh, students and teenagers and think I was cool. And so one day, my mom's role was doing most of the Bible studies because she was the one that was in the Word more than any other youth workers. And she was uh, sharing and teaching. She goes, now, let's see, Proverbs 16.3, let's see, it says Proverbs. And I thought, I think I have that scripture in my head because she says it at home all the time. And so I just blurt out and say, uh, are you, Mom, are you saying commit your works to the Lord and uh, God will establish your plans? She says, yes, that's it. Well, I was the little Bible nerd after that. <laughs> little middle school kid who's that little weird Bible nerd who knows Scripture and he's only 11 years old. And I'm glad, Mom, that you got that Scripture in me when I was young. So this is a great scripture to memorize, to have it close to your heart when you're at work and you're planning on uh, new plans and you're working on something. Say, Lord, we commit these works to you and ask that you uh, establish our plans. Let's go to the next scriptures, Colossians chapter 3. We are submitted to God. This is one of my favorite verses in relationship to an excellent spirit. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. And so there is this kind of whatever you do in word or deed, both in what we speak and in our actions. That's where most people will tell, does this person really have an excellent spirit? They will tell by our words or our actions. Do all of this in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to Him. So you're doing it unto Him, submitted to God. And this is why, going back to the Daniel story, he became a target. He was different. He was distinguished. He was unique because his life was submitted to God. And they knew that. And so those other governors, they were so jealous that, that Daniel would rise to the top that they actually ended up going after him and say, let's... let's uh, when Daniel's not around, we'll get a law passed by the king that says you can only come to the king for any requests, anything uh, like he's God, he's the all-powerful, and they had the kings like to think them as themselves as gods back in those days and uh, with all that pride and all that power. And said, let's just say you're the only one anybody can come to for anything, for any kind of request of any kind. It doesn't matter what it is, spiritual or natural or whatever. And they got this into law. And then they noticed that Daniel was praying again. And they went after him and said, Ah, see, he submitted to God. He submitted to some other authority, some other power than you. You have got to... And the edict, the law was, you would be thrown to the lion's den. Ooh, nice. For a lion lunch. How about that? And that is how they targeted him, because he was submitted to God. Let's go on to the next one, uh, uh, the next part of this verse. I want to, uh, well, no, let me tell you, let me, let me hold off for a second. Our vision statement has this in it, doesn't it? Abandoned to God. And... This passage in Colossians is interesting because I'm going to read another verse here, verse 18 through 21. But the verses around it, as you'll notice, there's, there's instructions for children and parents. There's instructions for different areas of life. So all that we do includes our personal, personal life as well, our home life. And God may actually teach you something today and say, I could have a, a more excellent spirit in my relationships with my family in relationships at home. This next verse, verse 18, uh, Apostle Paul is addressing um, uh, slaves. And in that day, there were servants who worked, slaves that worked. It was, it was whole, that economic system had slaves in it. Apostle Paul is not saying slavery is good and right and it's blessed by God. No, but he's saying it's here and it's not going anywhere anytime soon in your city, among the Colossians. And so here, those who are believing slaves, what's your, what's your approach? What's your attitude? How do you deal with this? Well, he ends up saying the same thing over again. 
even to slaves that are under bondage. But if you're a believer, you have a higher power than that master. And this is what he says in Colossians 3, verse 22. Slaves in all things, obey, they, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So this fearing the Lord and afraid of God like He's going to hurt you, this is honoring His, His Lordship, His authority, that you do this with a sincere heart, even though He's your earthly master and your slave. Verse 23 is that repeat of the earlier verse. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. And in a job that you don't like every aspect about your job, this scripture is needed. Because over time we get kind of tired, we get kind of frustrated with this same old thing I have to do over here or this little thing that really doesn't matter and our boss just makes me do it. And, you know, there's aspects about our work we don't like. And if we forget this verse and this motivation, let's do even the little things for God. Then God keeps blessing us. But you've seen it in your friend's life, in your life or whatever. When you don't do things diligently under God, and you think it's some little thing and nobody really cares, well, then it crops up in some evaluation with the boss. Or it crops up and somebody says, oh, we had a mistake over here. That was, uh, you know, Stephen's response. What, what happened to that? And so they end up finding out that you got slack in this area that you thought, hey, this is, I'm tired of this. So let's stay motivated before God doing things unto Him. I have this story I want to share about Michelangelo. I'm going to do it real quick. He was under a pope that wanted to do things better and best than the last pope. It looked like he, was, he was, had a competitive spirit and he wanted to beat out and, and have some self-glory there. I don't know the history real well, but I heard this story about Michelangelo. Michelangelo was that incredible artist. He was really a sculptor, but he painted uh, it, the Sistine Chapel's roof. And the, it has 345 different Bible characters, angels, painted on this huge roof. He had to design his, his own scaffolding to be able to go up there while they could still walk underneath and have mass and then do other things. And he had to design his own so he could get up there and keep working. He had a team of aides and assistants that would help him. And it took over four years to paint this ceiling. It was so, was it, is it like a football field? It's like, you know, is it, is it 300 feet? It's a couple hundred feet. It's huge. Somebody look it up for me. Clarify that. Huge. And... Over four years to actually paint all this. An assistant came in. It was pretty dark at that time. Uh, of course, he had candles around and things. And he was, hey, you know, Michelangelo, where are you? Where are you? And he's, he couldn't, he was having a while to find Finally found him over in the corner. And it's had, you know, it was, it was dark in that corner, particularly in the way the roof line is and the, and the columns and all. It was just back in the corner. He says, Michelangelo, what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm painting this the wing of this angel. And you're 60 feet, it was 60 feet tall, so you, it was, you probably couldn't capture much of the details anyway. A lot of details you couldn't capture, particularly in the corner with all the columns and light and the shadows. And you say, well, Michelangelo, no one's going to see that, that detail of that feather on that, the wing of that angel. No one's going to see that. And he quickly replied, God sees it. God sees it. And if we can grow... In ex, a spirit of excellence will do even the little things for God. Let's go to the next one. Submit it in prayer. I'm going to read this verse here, Daniel chapter 6. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house, now in his roof chamber. He had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Though he knew a crisis was near and he was going to be very likely thrown the lion's den, he didn't stop praying. He continued to pray and dedicate that day to the Lord. So I want to say that prayer needs to be a part of our huddles, our dream teams. Prayer needs to be part of our work. When you're driving to work, are you praying about what you're going to enter into? Do you even have the boldness and the ability in your setting to pray with your teams where you work? Let's pray about this. Our, 
one of our new board members uh, has shared this. I believe we just need to pray more during our board meetings. And before we make a decision, let's pray. That's a great reminder. Of course, yes, that's right. We often get out of that habit of the consistency of prayer. Daniel did that, and God miraculously saved him from the lion's mouths when he was thrown in there. See, here's a statement for you. Excellence is not a gift. It's an attitude generated from the inner man. It comes from a deeper place. I want to jump into the last uh, one as well, submitted in humility. And I want us to go to John chapter 13 and a really important story from the heart of God. John chapter 13. When we are submitted in humility, then we have a servant's heart. That's what every servant must have. And Jesus is going to have the Last Supper, really the Last Supper with His disciples before He's betrayed and crucified. And He is got a bowl. To, there, there wasn't, uh, or, or Jesus made sure this detail didn't happen. There wasn't a, a, a little servant there to take care of washing the feet. And so Jesus wanted this to be that lesson in humility. He took His outer robe off took a big towel, knelt down, and he washed the disciples' feet. This was an incredible image and action of humility. I recently had someone uh, who's um, visiting our church and come to our church church here, and and they've served in other churches in the past and been in ministry teams and done a lot for the Lord. And I was like, wow, you know, this, this... you know, couple and, and this lady has done so much and she said, you know, and I'll, I'll just help out in any way at the church. I'll clean the bathrooms and the toilets. I said, wow, wow. well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sign you up for that today. That's really impressive, but, you know, thank you for sharing that with me. There was a humility about her that said there's really not anything that, that I, from a servant's heart that I will willing to do. So Jesus did that. It struck them to the point where with Peter, he was like, no, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus corrected him and said, no, you you must allow me to wash your feet or you cannot be in my kingdom. So being in serving, not just spectating at your local church, but serving is in the nature of Christ. In the nature of the kingdom of God. Humility is in the nature of the kingdom of God. And so you want to to just speak that on your children. You want to model it. That, oh, my mom and dad, they they help out with this. They help out with that. Uh, In the community, at church or at work, they have a humility about them. They have a servant about them, a servant's heart. So then when they are making decisions, it's not... Uh, by what they hear, but it's what they see in discipling our children. That they see, okay, this is just what the Rileys do. This is what this is what God wants. This is part of discipleship, is serving. John chapter three, last scripture before we close. John thirteen, verse chapter thirteen, verse thirteen. Jesus said, "You call me teacher and Lord." And you're right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord of the teacher, wash your feet, and also ought to wash one, you ought to also wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. I'm going to ask the praise team to go ahead and come up. I'm going to ask the altar ministry teams to go ahead and come up, be available for prayer, for anything that's going on in your life. I'm looking forward. I know much of what I want to do for next Sunday. I'm really looking forward to part two to complete. uh, And hopefully I can get it all in to complete this teaching. Because God sees. God sees. And that's our motivation and our vision statement. Abandoned to God and compassionate toward people. 
We're abandoned to God, even in the little things here in among us or at church, I mean, at, at work in the neighborhood. I am on our neighborhood um, HOA board. And I know I'm very careful when I respond to a text or an email about something that's going on. Because I know that even though it's a text, I better not promise something I can't follow up and I better not uh, say something that I know that because I'm a witness. This, this, I've got to do this carefully. I've got to do this with the spirit of excellence. Because people are watching me. They know I'm a pastor. The previous board chair would always would ask me to pray at the beginning of the board meetings. And he would say, Brother Steve, why don't you pray? Why don't you pray at the beginning and pray? And so they all know that I'm, I'm a pastor. So I need to do things in a spirit of excellence. Because it's a, it's a witness. I want to do things before God so He sees. Let's ask the Lord. In closing, let's put that uh, take home there on the on the screen there. Here it is, my here it is. Lord, where do I develop a spirit of excellence? Is it something about my home life? Is there something about in the community or a church, Lord? Where? Number two, Lord, please purify my motives. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We are trusting in your Holy Spirit to transform us in ways that we can have an excellent spirit. And Lord, the reason... Our main reason is to be submitted to you, to be submitted to God. And maybe you are here or you're online watching this morning or later this week or some other time. And you realize, well, I'm not submitted to God. I don't really care about this. I I want to, though. I want to change. I want to have Jesus Lord of my life. I don't want just a head knowledge about him. I want to be submitted to him. So if you haven't given your life to Christ, or maybe you've been away for a long time, and this is, I want to come back, I want to be submitted to God, I, I want to encourage you to say this prayer with me. I'm going to ask all that are here today uh, to just say this out loud as a, a fresh prayer, and uh, so that others can join in her saying it for the first time. So repeat after me, Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I want to be submitted to you. I want to serve you in all areas of my life. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me of all my sins and wash my shame away. Thank you for loving me first. I want to serve and love you all the days of my life. I believe your resurrection is real. And that power gives me life every day. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you and those who want prayer. Uh, here online we have a phone number for you to call in the next 30 minutes here on Sunday morning we want to offer prayer for you and your life if you want to stay and worship some more or offer prayer feel free to stay in here otherwise Lord Jesus thank you for your blessing on us that you don't leave us alone but your Holy Spirit does speak your Holy Spirit does empower and your Holy Spirit in this week you provide all the grace we need for what's going on every day this week. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all be blessed. Have a great week. I trade it all 
just to walk with you, my Jesus. There's nothing else that my heart wants more than you. And I know, I know that it's only your love that can fill up my cup. Oh, I know, I know that it's only your love, Jesus, Jesus, you're enough, you're enough for me, Jesus, Jesus, you're enough, you're enough for me. worthy of all. Yes, you're worthy. 